0: This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 12th of December 2017, a podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for everybody working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is John, and here's my somewhat under-the-weather co-host, Dave. How are you, Dave?
1: Uh, <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Yes, apologies. Um, I don't believe you can become infected um, over the airwaves, but uh, I guess we'll find out soon enough.
0: Yes, and if you do, then please send all hate mail to Dave. (laughs) I don't want to be involved in this at all. But, uh, I mean, thanks Dave for being here, even though you're not feeling all too well. We'll make sure that none of the coughs, sniffles, and sneezes get on the uh, end-resulting MP3, but, well, no promises. (laughs)
1: We'll do what we can to shield our listenership from my uh, spluttering and coughing and yakking.
0: Well, if it's any help, my neighbors are doing some remodeling of the house, so maybe I'll put in some wayward sounds myself, but let's hope it all works out well. Indeed. So, to the news. Yeah, it's our last news episode for this year, actually. Wow, 2017. Yeah, it's almost gone. I mean, I'm looking forward to making the first mistake saying 2017 when it's actually 2018, so. (laughs) But until then, let's go to our little uh, news articles. Okay. Uh, I got a couple. My first one is called Eight Fun Machine Learning Projects for Beginners. And I have to look for my little tab so I can actually know what I'm talking about. It's on the Elite Data Science website. Uh, I mean, it's Elite Data Science, so it has to be good, right? Maybe. At, at first, uh, look it looked like, it, like a bit of clickbait, but actually it's a nice um, summation, let's say, of eight different projects. I would call it tutorials or labs or things to play with on machine learning. So this is in no way, shape or form an elite or expert level uh, training course or something like that. It's more like if you are curious about machine learning and you want to know what all of those data scientist magicians are actually doing, these are quite accessible entry-level things you can just play with. You don't need big clusters set up for this. And it's uh, yeah just a yeah, summary of different tutorials on the webs, uh, on the internet that you can look at. I mean, a couple of them are very, uh, very well known. There's the Moneyball example where you can uh, predict a lottery, you can predict stock prices. And there's also the uh, MNIST, totally unpronounceable M N I S T acronym for the Handwritten Digit Classification Challenge, which is a way of training a neural network to actually Oh, decipher your ugly handwriting if you're a doctor or not.
1: There's the super, super famous Enron investigation uh, mail archive as well, which is the one that I always like.
0: <laughs> yeah, Enron. Was something wrong there?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It all went horribly wrong, didn't it? But it, it. The thing that I like about this is the fact that that you know some of these. It's not at all prescriptive. It, it gives you some sort of. Here's an idea, here's something you could use for this particular purpose. And many of them, here's a data set, go knock yourself out. It's not like you know you have to follow this particular step by step exercise. So no,
0: it's no. quite good. It's really really meant to just uh, yeah, if you're curious at all about the whole machine learning thing and why everybody's talking about it. These are a couple of well, let's call them real world examples, actual use actual use cases you can just uh, play around with and redo what other people did with enough guidance that you don't get totally lost but without the strict uh, step one step two step three step four Mm -hmm. so uh, i kind of liked it came across it uh, actually a customer of mine uh, pointed out to me
1: how would you how would you compare something like this article to something like
0: um, kaggle for example uh, well, it depends if you mean the Kaggle uh challenges that they uh put out.
1: Yeah, I mean that uh, in terms of, you know, difficulty or um, you know, approachability, where do you think this this falls into that?
0: Uh, it's a bit of a different way of looking at it, right? Because if you have a Kaggle uh a challenge, you have to figure out how to do it yourself. They just give you a data set and ask try and calculate this and then you have to play it with it until you make something that answers a challenge. This could actually, I'm pretty sure that some of these are a result of a Kaggle challenge, Mm -hmm. where now you can just see, okay, this is how they did it, and you can do it again. So you can still work on this to make it better if you really want to. But if you're just looking at the what is this thing, you don't have to go that far. So this is more of a tutorial why the Kaggle thing is actually somewhat often a very hard challenge to to, to to get the results that they want or, or are looking for. Mm. So I don't see them as the a, as a same thing. Now, if you're talking about the results of Kaggle challenges, yeah. typically when a challenge has done and people have submitted stuff and a deadline has, uh, has passed, then people also put stuff up on there. It's quite possible that some of these links on this page actually go there, although I didn't really see one when I uh, read through it, but I didn't click on every single link there. Uh, but those... Um, I'd say some of the, at least the, the majority of the ones on this page, actually have a tutorial that is built as a tutorial, expecting people to have questions about what's this, what's that, and giving some explanation around it. A Kaggle write-up will be more like this is what I did, without really telling you why they did specifically, particularly that, or chose this tool or did this thing. So this should be much uh, should be more approachable. I would say. Yeah, makes sense. Now, if you want, this will also be a bit more generic because, uh, I mean, the, the bottom one... Is it the bottom one or the one but bottom one? Yeah, the, the mind social sen- media sentiment, that's just the, the sentiment analysis of uh, Facebook and Twitter messages. That's mm-hmm. the example. That's the... the What's the canonical example? Or what's the name? Uh, what's the term we use for that? Mm-hmm. Gold standard. Or, yeah, yeah, everybody no. does that. There's nothing really new there. But that's a good thing for a tutorial because it allows people to focus on the machine learning part of the tutorial, not not on the, okay, what is Twitter? What is Facebook? Everybody yeah, knows that, yeah. so it's approachable. If you go to a Kaggle thing, typically... What is Facebook again? I don't know. I honestly, I don't use it myself. Because, <laughs> 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 I mean, my battery on my phone dies fast enough without Facebook. <laughs> don't need help from them. I do use Twitter now since we started this podcast, because somebody has, and you still refuse to. I do. We should have a, a I don't know, kind of a collective effort to try and get uh, Dave on Twitter because he has so much inter- interesting things to tell the world, and he doesn't. It's, it's selfish of you. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so what I was saying is this is approachable, and on the Kaggle website, there, certainly the challenges they put out these days will be a bit more esoterical. You have to really understand the data set first because the the really easy examples, well, those have been done. So, yeah, nice uh, article. It's well. It's actually an article pointing to a lot of other articles. So it's a nice entry into playing around with machine learning. If you're uh, yeah still looking at it and not sure what to do, uh, it's all being based on open source things. So no money is involved. You try it if you try to play with these things, and it should be a lot of fun. So if you if one of our listeners uh, plays with this, and uh, let us know uh, how you how how it went, how you feel.
1: Fabulous. All right.
0: Links so, of
1: course. Indeed. So I have uh, my, my news article, my first news article, is Call for Papers. Um, the Call for Papers is open for the DataWorks Summit, which is in Berlin, the European one. So the summit itself, um, April 16th to 19th. Um, and as this episode goes out you'll still have a few days to rustle up your uh, um your submission and you need to get your submission in by december the 15th so you'll you'll have a few days uh, don't uh, don't let it slip if you've got a good idea something you want to share um typically fits into it should fit into one of the eight main tracks so the the tracks this year are um, artificial intelligence and data science, uh, data warehousing and operational data stores, a big compute and storage, IoT and streaming, enterprise adoption, cloud and operations, governance and security, and cyber security, which is good to have a dedicated track for it this year. <laughs> Interesting times. Yeah, that's all you care about these days, right? Security oh, and how you can I'm, break it. I'm all about the cybersecurity. But yes, so anyway, it should be, you know, it, even just looking at the, uh, the, the tracks, you, know, you can see that they're starting to focus on some of the areas that, uh, that are of uh, importance and of interest to the majority of the audience and hoping that it'll be uh, another good event.
0: Yeah, actually, I was looking at the DataWorks Summit uh, earlier this month, and I was kind of. It says April 16th to 19th, but that's Mm -hmm. 16, 18, 19. Yeah, that's three days. But is is that including the first uh, uh, training day or something?
1: Yeah, so so 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th is actually four days. Um, Uh, Counting. counting, Sorry, I have computers for that. But yeah, my guess would be that uh, there'll be um, the sort of first first day or so of of training, and then um, actual the, the remainder will be the days of the events. But I don't know exactly how that's going to uh, how exactly that's going to pan out.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to click on the links, but I don't have a, a calendar up yet. Are they not yet? No. Venue and travel. Yeah, but I I heard somewhere it was it's going to be two days of uh, of summit because that's usually what they do, right?
1: In Europe, um, I mean, it has been previously, but yeah. then I think it depends on uh, whether they're expecting growth. I mean, if you sure. look at the um, San Jose uh, summit, that's always you know an extra day longer. Yeah. So maybe this is the uh, mm-hmm. maybe this is the transition, or maybe they're doing two days of training if it was very popular last year. I I yeah. don't know yeah. yet
0: yeah for me it does get kind of harder if it gets more days because uh, I mean you have to get uh, time off uh, at work I mean not yeah. time off but you have to be able to spend time uh, somewhere else And with the travel involved that's already an extra day for most people so if the number of days gets larger uh, on the one hand it's great because it means more information more, more more, more, sessions, more fun but on the other hand it gets harder to, uh, uh, to go to it so hmm. I'm a bit ambivalent there Time will tell. That's interesting. Uh, It actually on the site has a attendance approval download letter. There you go. Dear approving manager, I'm writing to request your approval to attend the DataWorks Summit. They are making it easy, I have to admit. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's what it's all
1: about. It's all about making it
0: easy it's fun I I like that it's a nice touch I haven't seen it on another uh, other event yet (laughs) all right DataWorks Summit a little bit of luck we'll be there and we'll be able to greet our listeners indeed do try to go there every year if I am able to so we'll try our hardest to be there again anything else on the DataWorks Summit
1: nope that's it for me Okay, then I'm going to call out to... Tell us about some beautiful data. Yeah,
0: I'm going to I'm gonna use social media. I mean, social media is using me for big data, so I'm going to use them back. And I'm going to call out a Reddit and a Twitter... Uh, well, Twitter hashtag and Reddit channel, it's called, I guess. Not sure. It's just a Reddit. That's the, the verb as well, right? So it's the data is beautiful Reddit uh, stream and the same data is beautiful Twitter tag. And it's just a... Yeah, a plethora of nice visualizations. And usually uh, Dave is the one doing the visualization um, fanboy, You do it this time. So I beat you to that. And that's why I always put these things in one day before Dave starts looking for articles. That way I win. <laughs> but there's some nice examples there. I mean, I like that if you look at the uh, the Twitter one, of course, it's going to change by the time our listeners hear this because Twitter does seem to yeah, change over time. But I mean, at the moment, there's a nice uh, graph of uh, some dinosaurs <laughs> at the top of the Twitter feed. And it's some nice fun. And having visualizations work is still a very hard thing to do. And having examples on how other people do this actually helps me a lot. And the reason that I went for these is because I read an article on the Financial Times site on how bad uh, big data visualization can actually hurt organizations. Yeah. And I was going to share that one, but it's behind the paywall, so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in pure revenge against the Financial Times uh, paywall, I went to social media and well, called open source communication channels.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep,
0: and went for uh, some inspiration there. And there's some very beautiful things out there.
1: I, I particularly love the uh, so the, the two that I love of this are espresso versus espresso. Does <laughs> the spelling become correct? Um, <laughs> which is just brilliant in fact it's a really nice it's a really nice article the visualizations and the uh, um, the uh, the analysis that they've put into it there's actually a, an incredibly detailed amount of information that i would have never even <laughs> thought of analyzing and they've done a an amazing job there
0: yeah um, i just found it
1: <laughs> but the other one is uh bombs in your backyard which is um that's cheerful
0: note <laughs> yeah
1: well it, it's a visualization of the the u s and um essentially uh, oh, wow. sites contaminated with toxic waste all ranked between um, uh, response complete all the way up to high risk so you know obviously some some places toxic waste has been um has been cleaned up, but they actually give you. Um, when the cleanup was completed, and the the cost to clean up. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know anything between. Well, I, I, actually, I wonder if it tells you. Oh, here you go. So you can even sort by the most expensive um, <laughs> uh, military installations by risk and cost. So Rocky Mountain Arsenal, Colorado, two point one billion. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really quite quite interesting. So you can also sort. How the states compare in terms mm. of ongoing high, high and medium risk. It's a really nice, <laughs> uh, nice, clean visualization. And as you'd expect with um, you know modern, modern map-based visualizations, you can uh, you can zoom in and, and and highlight and click over things. And very nice, very nice, yeah. nicely. That's uh, yeah, the Google done Maps, visualization.
0: Uh, uh, overlay, let's say, although it says yeah. Google Maps, and then Inegi Zendrin that doesn't ring a bell with me. But maybe that's just the guys uh, that gave the data. I don't know. Yeah, could be. Yeah, but yeah, these uh, the, all of these links, of course, on Twitter and uh, the Reddit will point to articles with more explanation about the visualization. So it's more than just having a, a, sh- a gallery of visualization uh, mm. uh, pics. It's actually also usually an article and an interactive. Uh, yeah thing you look at. So if you're a big data scientist and you, you, you're you looking for inspiration how you can visualize things, there's a lot of stuff out there and these are just two of the venues of ways of uh, yeah finding them on the interwebs.
1: Indeed. Excellent stuff. Over to you. Okay. So from from stunning visualizations to Apache Software Foundation projects. So um, just at the end of November, 28th of November actually um, Apache Impala has finally been announced. It's now a top-level project wow. in the Apache Software Foundation. So, congratulations to the um, Impala team. Um, for those of you that you know might not be familiar with it, it's uh, essentially it was inspired by Google's F1 uh, database originally. It came out first in 2012, um, and. It was it was around for quite some time before it actually went into Apache incubator at the end of December twenty fifteen. So it was in that that limbo sort of period where a lot of the development happened outside the the ASF. Mm -hmm. Um, But then from December fifteen to now, um, say end of November twenty seventeen. So nearly nearly two years uh, in incubating stasis. It is now uh, a top level project. So congratulations to the Impala team uh, doesn't actually say too much about um, you know what wh- where it's heading next and what their next uh, sort of big focus is but
0: uh, yeah yeah 2 uh, years yeah. sounds like a long time but it's always better that those these things get uh, yeah fully developed and if you take a 2 years of incubation plus the uh we said 20 20- Twelve to start. yeah, twenty twelve first came out. So that's five years total. Yeah, that, sh- that should be a nicely mature product project by now. So yeah. that's uh, that's all fine. I'm just trying to remember if in the last twelve months or so I saw any I don't know blogs or announcements of Impala of new functionality they added to Impala. I can't really say I found I can, I can think of any to be honest. Um, Not a great. Which isn't a bad thing necessarily.
1: Yeah, I think. I think they've they've been doing continual pushes on as you'd expect it's I mean, it's their it's their engine for fast sequel isn't uh-huh. it on on cloud on cdh so oh, I think yeah. they've been continually pushing at that um it's mm-hmm. their sort of their premier mpp mm-hmm. SQL engine but no I haven't seen a, a huge amount yeah. of um uh, noise um, yeah. about uh, massive changes across uh, that, or massive progression, new functionality yeah. that's been added. But I think that they're just kind of beavering away,
0: continuing yeah,
1: to continuing to tweak and tune it. It
0: yeah, was still a bit surprising because the whole LLAP part of Hive is, uh, I would say, a direct response to Impala's in memory speed yeah. and performance. That's fair. And the LAP part, uh, that, that project, uh, that's a project. That's that's embedded in Hive, isn't it? It's not a separate Apache product, LAP, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. It is. But those it's guys have been. Changing and publicizing what they were doing, so I was always I'm always hoping if you have two companies, two organizations, or two whatevers making something similar, that they try to beat the one every single time. So every time A comes out with something, B comes out with something better, and A comes out with something better, better, and so on. That's how you get the whole improvement and competition driving innovation. And thinking that now, seeing that it's a top level, that this makes me remember. Oh yeah, Ampala, it's still there, and it's it's a good thing. I mean, if it's what if the works, if it's a good tool for what you want to do, then definitely use this. But I haven't seen, or I can I can't remember seeing this kind of beating the other guy at, uh, at the challenge. I think
1: well, so I think I've seen, I've definitely seen uh, a number of over the last twelve months or so um, benchmarking. Articles. In fact, I think we've talked about one of the benchmarking articles um, on the podcast. And but that's that's about all I've seen. I haven't seen yeah you know, this new feature X innovation now available in, in Impala. I haven't seen any of that conversation. Yeah. I've seen the, the the odd kind of benchmarking conversation here and there about usually TPC DS because that's what most people um compare SQL engines mm. using. But uh yeah. I I think that's that's a fair comment. The thing mm. I don't believe there has been and yeah, you know, if someone from the um from the Impala project would like to get in touch and uh, come on the podcast to tell our audience about and us about all of the cool new features that have been added to Impala, they should please reach out and get in touch. But yeah, yeah sure. I think that's a
0: Fair comment. Yeah, I mean one thing I was thinking about, but it's a, a bad thought to be honest, is that okay, they they've gone for TLP, so they've stabilized, so in the last couple in last time frame they've focused on bug fixing things like that. But becoming a, t- a top level project in Apache actually doesn't have that much to do with the quality of your software, but has much more to do with do you have a, a solid uh, f- group of people working on it? Are your, your checks and balances in place? Do you have a, a, a confident build system? Is yeah, this a product the that has quality? Procedure? Exactly. It's a lot less about than it's about, are there bugs in the software? Although I guess if you have a lot of bugs, you won't have a lot of followers and that will even itself out immediately as well. But yeah, it's it's a bit strange. Or maybe they were, they've they been waiting for this announcement and now they're going to, I don't know, come out with some uh, benchmarks and uh, s- stuff like that. Maybe. Time um, will tell. Let's keep our eyes open. And uh, as you already said, congratulations to Apache Impala. Well done. Top TLP. It isn't easy. Well done.
1: Fantastic. Right. Tell us about fabulous new machine learning things.
0: Yeah, this is a nice one. This one actually, uh, it's an older article. It's from uh, March uh, this year already. So uh, mm-hmm. I just got it in the same year. So I, I counted as a win. But it's <laughs> something I was looking, training, uh, teaching myself new stuff about uh, deep learning and uh, artificial intelligence. And I came upon something called transfer learning. People who are into the analytics, into the advanced analytics in the AI part of the the environment, they've probably already heard uh, about reinforcement learning, which is the Mm. normal way neural networks work. By just giving it enough data, you reinforce a certain behavior in the neural network, which means you get a predictive outcome. It's a huge oversimplification, this, so don't kill me. Um, but this is transfer learning. And this article is by Sebastian Ruder. Sorry, Ruder, only one D. He's a PhD student, but also a scientist at, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, Alien. I think it's alien with a bit of Y creeping in there. And it's a fairly lengthy article. And it's really going in depth on what transfer learning is, how it works. There's some uh, nice math in there as well. And also some examples at the end of, okay, in practice, what does this mean? And the transfer learning, the reason I came onto this is because, uh, putting my Microsoft hat on for a moment, one of the biggest problems we have with, our, with customers that want to do uh, neural networks and artificial intelligence is that they don't have a data to train a model. Because training a machine learning algorithm means uh, you need a couple of thousand, ten thousands of data points. And that should give you a reasonable uh, result for a machine learning thing, for a regression, something like that. If you go into neural network training, you need an order of magnitude more information than that and basically the only companies in the in the world that can do this kind of stuff are the big social media tracking companies out there like a Facebook, a Google, Microsoft um that kind of things cuz if you want to do some like object recognition on visual on on photos you need so much information, so much data to train your neural network it's infeasible to do it as an as a normal company because if you're an insurance company, for example, and you want to use a neural network to detect the damage on a car that had a crash, for example, you can't really use a generic uh trained model for that because that model is built to recognize, I don't know, birds and trees, and it'll probably recognize a car, and it might even recognize a car with damage. But it won't recognize two different cars with different kinds of damage and give you any kind of... And meta tagging about how how severe or if it's caused by this or that if you want to do this wouldn't it be great if you could use one of those pre-built algorithms and skew it a little bit to what you need and that's what transfer learning does okay idea being that you make a generic model that works pretty well you don't really Overtrain it with reinforcement training. You you kind of leave it a little bit fuzzy at the end, so you don't go for the for the perfect uh, score every time. You make it a little bit more fuzzy, but then allow somebody else to use a different domain of data. It's called then. So let's say you have the generic image recognition that recognizes I don't know twenty thousand different objects in the world, and then you feed that model with another I don't know couple of thousand max of crashed car images. And at that uh, labeled, of course, and at that point, you will get that machine learned that, that 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 neural network that's already trained and giving reasonable results in the generic sense. You will skew it so it can improve its uh, scoring, its its uh, referencing, inferencing, I should say. Sorry for a crash car uh, data domain, and in this case, the big guys like uh, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, uh, Amazon, I guess as well. They can use their huge models with a lot of training time behind it, and a end customer like an insurance company or a medical facility or something like that can use that, skew the model, and have a lot better results than would ever achieve with creating a new model from scratch with only the data that they have. So it's uh, it's new. Well new wish as I said it's a bit of an older network, an older article, but transfer learning is uh, they're kind of comparing it as the difference between statistics and machine learning, to be honest, mm. so this is really going to open up. Well, potentially it will open up a lot of new avenues it makes it a lot more easy for people to use neural networks you also don't need the huge clusters for this if you want to train a neural network from scratch you need quite a few gpu, GPU nodes if you want to do it in any kind of reasonable time frame using transfer learning you need less data less memory less gpus less time so it makes it a lot more accessible And just to make it a little bit more tangible, perhaps, one of the examples they're giving there is the self driving cars.
1: Yeah. If you would,
0: if you have, if you're going to train a uh, model to, for a self driving car from scratch, that means you have to have a car driving around making mistakes and learn. But a self driving car making mistakes, that's not (laughs) something you really want. So basically, what they did is start with simulators with, uh, I mean, racing games. And that will obviously never give you enough, uh, uh, enough uh, uh, well, uh, well, uh, well, uh, well enough trained. Yeah, that's English <laughs> model <laughs> to use it really on the road for for consumers. But it gives them enough baseline, and with that to start with, then give it a skew, a different data domain. And in this case, the data domain changes from a simulated environment to a real life environment. And using that originally trained model, refine it for the outdoorsy uh, self-driving car mm-hmm. and apparently that uh, gave him a lot of uh, benefits from that I'll also give an example through robotics again from simulation and then go into the new world and just being able to do all this uh, yeah again it makes it much more accessible so if you haven't heard about transfer training yet you have now and if you're deep into this uh, uh, area. You could do yourself worse favors than reading this article because it's really well written. It's uh, it went over my head in a couple of places. I fully admit it has all the references at the end of the articles with links to all the uh, the documents he used, and uh, it's uh, quite a nice read actually. Very
1: good. What so? What do you think is going to? Do you think we're going to start seeing more? transfer learning happening um as this becomes a lot more um, readily understood or do mm-hmm. you think this is still going to be no, the, happening already. the proviso of um it's, organizations that are kind of stuck deep into the uh, the very early bleeding edge
0: uh, it's happening already, but it's happening at the big companies because, uh, again, Microsoft had on uh, If you look at Microsoft on Azure, we've got these uh, Cortana uh, APIs which you can consume. That Those are pre-trained models which you can just use. You can send images to it, and it'll give you back the, the meta tagging you can do for that. But the exact example I gave you with the insurance company, that doesn't work for them. So what you can do now on... Uh, on Azure, and I'm pretty sure Google and Amazon also have something like that in the works at least or already out there because no Amazon has the reinvent ses, uh, ses, sessions at the moment, and mm-hmm. I've seen some things coming out on this particular uh, subject as well and so the 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 next the way they add onto to this now is that instead of just consuming the pre trained model, you can go into a kind of a retraining uh, interface on the web where you can mm-hmm. say, "Okay, I want to have the vision API retrain with these cat and dog pictures, and now it becomes better at uh Figuring out what cats and dogs are, or again the crash tests, or whatever you want. So the big guys, the 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 the, the Facebooks, well not Facebook because they don't really give the uh, uh, models for consumption, but uh, Microsoft, uh, Google, Amazon, they're already giving this as a second tier offering. Again, it's less easily consumed because you still have to retrain it a little bit and keep on retraining it over time, because the yeah. more data you get, the better you can make your model, of course. But uh, those are just uh, yeah standard offerings at this point. And now for a end like like the insurance company, do you as an insurance company want to do this retraining part in house, or do you want to depend on a third party partner to do this for you, or go to the let's that's called the source, at Google, at Amazon, at Microsoft, and just consume that one? That's the age old uh, benefits and costs uh, balancing you have to do, right? Because uh, that. Transfer learning capabilities given by Amazon, Google, Microsoft. And if I forgot anybody else out there, I'm sure there are other people uh, working on this as well. It, they're going to give you a certain level of uh, transfer uh, learning capabilities, but there will be an, I mean, simply, s- simply put, to retrain that model, you'll have to upload everything to the internet. Yeah. Uploading a thousand PNG images, each having, I don't know, a, a megabyte of data. That's yeah. going to take a bit of time. Yep. If you're going to do a million, you're going to get a lot better, uh, better trained model. But at that point, maybe it makes sense to do it in-house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's going to be checks and balances at that point.
1: It largely depends on what your what your data source is, doesn't it?
0: uh yeah of course if a data source is already in the open source or in sorry in the open source well that's good too of course but i mean on the internet already if it's already not on premise then it might it's a choice between downloading it first to your own site and doing it locally or just copying it over to that other internet part at that point that could actually become a better solution actually so yeah yeah definitely interesting times so yeah If people thought that uh, neural networks and all that was done, old hat, nope, new and improved stuff coming up all the time. And it even has a cake chart, so. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I must admit, uh, the the cake didn't make a lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah, me neither, to be honest. Although I do understand what he means. If you look at what's being used today, I mean, for people that aren't seeing this on, uh, on an MP3, which probably is a lot of people.
1: Yeah, great radio, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the article, there's a, a screenshot of a slide deck, I think. It shows a chocolate cake with a slice uh, cut out, and there's an arrow pointing to the innards of the cake, so the whole cake structure itself, and that's the unsupervised predictive learning. That's a that's the standard machine learning thing and you need an awful lot of information there and that's just because you don't have any labeled data at that point you don't have any training data Mm. so what you're doing is giving the the machine a bunch of data and hope that it actually makes some intelligent decisions so you need a lot of stuff there for supervised learning you again need a quite a bit of uh, labeled uh, information, but not as much, so that's fine. But then he goes into re- reinforced learning, which is the neural network thing, and says only a few bits of some samples, and there he lost me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the supervised learning for those uh, following along on the radio, uh, that's, that's the icing of the yeah. cake. And yes, the, the pure reinforcement learning is just the cherry on the top.
0: Yeah. yeah. And the fun, the, the even more fun of that about that is, this is the one part of the article that I didn't like, and thank you for pointing it out. <laughs> 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 because this is actually how he does as an example of transfer learning, which doesn't even figure on the, on the, on the chart. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. But disregard the little cake thing. It's, cake, uh, it's not a pie chart, it's a cake chart. So that's always better. But uh, just read the rest.
1: And the article also has a picture of a cat in. So, you know, it's an article on the internet. It's mandatory that has to have a picture of a cat in. So this one passes. Well it's done. It's
0: a cat on a laptop even. Indeed.
1: One <laughs> place to sit.
0: Again, so if you want to learn more about transfer learning, it's a lengthy article with a lot of information, a lot of background, a lot of references. And it, uh, yeah, it made me more comfortable in this area so I can talk to my customers with more insight. So I think mm-hmm. it's... Uh, if that was the intention of the writer, intention accomplished.
1: All right. So I think, unless there's anything else you want to surprise me with, John.
0: Mm, nope. I think we've uh, imposed on our listeners enough for this uh, for this episode. We're Indeed. still trying to keep it in the thirty minute uh, range, and we're getting better <laughs> at it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <So>. kind
1: of. <laughs> so in that case, that is about all we have time for today hope you enjoyed this slightly plague-ridden uh, serving of bite-sized big data. We'll be back in uh, next, just next week, actually, with a brand-new episode. But until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org, where you can find more information, including our contact form. You can also follow us on Twitter using the at HadoopCast tag, and contact us by email to podcast at roaringelephant.org with any thoughts, comments, criticisms, and other feedback. Until then, my name is Dave. My name is John. And we look forward to talking to you next week. See you there.